Well, I hope you guys had a great Easter week. It was a blast last weekend having services together online and communion together and seeing a bunch of you uh, as you picked up your communion supplies. That was refreshing to the soul to just see some friends and loved ones. And even though we said from a distance, hi, uh, it was fun to, fun to see each other a little bit. And I hope that you had a great week celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With, with everything going on, uh, the big stuff doesn't change, and the big stuff's the God stuff. And the fact that our God loves us so much, he gave us his own son, did not withhold his own son. Jesus came, lived, never sinned, offered his life, took it up again, and we live in the power of the resurrection. That's got to put a smile on our faces. And so I hope that you... We're able to enjoy that and be encouraged by it uh, even throughout this, this week. We're going to continue our conversation that we started last weekend about this idea of, of taking ground, that what Christ did in the resurrection becomes our identity as a follower of, of Jesus, that his power is what we move out in, whether it's for life and living, which the Bible says God gives us everything we need for life, or in things like the Great Commission to take the gospel to different parts of the world. Uh, all of that comes from the power of God within us, not from ourselves, not from positive thinking, not from human power, not from willpower, but the Holy Spirit within the Christ follower, empowering us to live the life that God has called us to live. And it's from that place, the place of an overcomer, the place of a victor, that we navigate life and even navigate these difficult circumstances that we're all living in right now. And that's the idea. The Bible would talk about that a lot in terms of faith. But that's our faith. That's how we live. It's our operating system. And that we are to live by faith. We're to live in this identity of someone who has been redeemed and rescued and saved by Christ, and in this identity as a son or a daughter of God, that we serve a risen Savior, and his power and his love is what we clip into and we feel safe in, and it sets our perspective as we, we move forward. Circumstances in life are always unpredictable, right? And, and we're, we're living through that right now. It's hard to almost get your head around how quickly life has changed in the last month or month and a half. Circumstances in life are always unpredictable. They're always unseen. But faith is something that we can settle into. And faith is something that can be kind of the bedrock of how we function. And when I go into life circumstances from a position of faith and from a position of certainty of who Christ is and what Christ has, has done, that habit of faith will overcome my impulse of fear. The habit of faith will overcome my impulse of fear. When the circumstances change and they're going to a million times, in our lives, if I can look and say I'm, I'm anchored to something and I'm steady and safe, I'm hooked in, I'm not going anywhere, 
it overcomes that impulse of fear and it allows me to turn my, my heart, my mind, I think about these things, and even my life direction and kind of grid of which I view life back to being centered on Christ and centered on the God who loves me and the God who came to save me. I was thinking about this because I, I think this is kind of the, 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 the key piece of taking ground, that when I, when I know who I am and whose I am, who God has made me to be and that I belong to him, it causes me to have that idea that I can move forward, I can find victory even in the most difficult of times. And there's probably not a better example of this or more famous example of this in all of Scripture than David and Goliath. So David and Goliath is one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, right? We, he, he's so famous, his story's so famous, it's really become like a metaphor in our culture. And so anytime you've played sports and you're going up against a team that's better than you, it's David and Goliath. And we talk about it like the underdog story and all those kind of things, and we're familiar with that idea of David and Goliath. But in reality, what David and Goliath is about is David finding his identity in who God is and God winning a great victory because of it. So this is in your Bibles. If you want to grab a Bible or use your phones, 1 Samuel chapter 17, let me just kind of frame up the story for you. Uh, Israel is kind of squared off against a rival nation called the Philistines. And the Philistines and Israel are kind of on uh, two sides of a valley, each on one hill. Every day, Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, would come out and he would taunt Israel, mock Israel, mock Israel's God, the one true God and say, hey, why don't you send out your best to fight me, and I'll fight them, and whoever wins, we'll just settle the war that way. So Israel is faced with annihilation. They're faced with being put into, in essence, slavery under the Philistine state. David's brothers, three of his older brothers, have been drafted up or decided to go up and join the army of Israel, which was led by the king of Israel, a guy named Saul. And David was the youngest of all of his brothers. And so one day David's dad said, hey, why don't you take some food over to your brothers, check on them, see what's going on. Because this whole conflict was like in Israel's backyard. This wasn't a, a far off battlefield somewhere. If they lost this fight, that army would have gone right into their homes and then to their families. And so it's a tense and difficult situation. David goes he checks on his brothers. He hears Goliath tormenting and mocking God. And he asks the question, he says, why, why won't anybody just go fight him? What, what's going on? And in essence, he's met with skepticism and cynicism and fear. The short version of the story is David says, I'll go do it. Goes to a brook, gets some stones, goes out and fights Goliath hits him in the head from a, a shot from a slingshot, and then takes his head off with Goliath's own sword and wins this great, great victory for Israel. And that's kind of the big story and the famous story and kind of the story that we tell all the time, that the little guy can do that to the big guy 
And a lot of times the way that that story is told is from the, the, the standpoint of the little guy can do that to the big guy, so believe in yourself. A try harder, focus yourself, be smarter. And if you do that, you, the little guy, can overcome the big guy. And the issue with this story biblically is that it's actually not about David and it's not about Goliath. It's actually about faith and the faithfulness of God. And the lesson to be drawn out of the story of David and Goliath is not David's battle tactics or that Saul's armor didn't fit him well. It's that he knew who he was in God. We would say in Christ. This is Old Testament, though. So he knew who he was in God. He knew that God had put him somewhere, and he knew that God would show up in the middle of these unpredictable circumstances. So I want to look at this together, and what I want us to see is the pattern of faith that David exercised, and then the pattern of faithfulness that God exercised in the middle of it, okay? And I, I want you to see the spiritual component. The other stuff's really cool, and it's another conversation for another day, but I want you to see a faithful person being faithful and a faithful God being faithful to that person. And then I want us to see ourselves in the midst of our own battles that we're in, even at this phase of our life. So God gives us these same kind of opportunities. He gives us the opportunities to be faithful. He gives us the opportunity to, to give praise and glory and testimony to his faithfulness. These opportunities are around us all the time. They're uniquely around us right now. And I think David can help us find our way through it. So look at this together. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. What did David do in his path to faithfulness? This sounds really simple, but it's really important. Number one, he showed up. He showed up. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 16, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. And then look at this. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephod of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their units. See how you bro your brothers are and bring them, bring back some assurance from them. I want you to catch this. When David found himself in the circumstances to fight Goliath, those circumstances were not pre-organized by David. He didn't put it on his calendar that, you know, next month, next month I'm going to take a giant out. That's my life goal. That's not what was happening at all. He didn't look and say, you know, th this, this week I want to try to set a PR on, on slingshot throwing that, that's not how he was thinking at all. David found himself in these circumstances simply by being faithful to his father, Jesse, obedient to him and faithful to his brothers. He was just living his life and God was directing his path. God directed his path to the battlefield. David didn't direct his path to it. He just showed up. 
Guys, the ordinariness of David is what is key in this passage right here. That David, he's the youngest, he's the smallest, he didn't get drafted, he didn't sign up, he just showed up. And if there was ever a Bible hero that you and I could relate to in that way, it's David. He's just a normal guy. He's a shepherd, blue-collar guy. He's a young guy. He's not even out on his own yet. He still kind of has to do what his dad tells him to do. He's an ordinary person like you and like me that God wanted to use in an extraordinary way. And all he had to do was show up and allow God to accomplish in his life what he wanted to accomplish in his life. Never underestimate the power of simply living the Christian life. I want you to catch this. Ready? Dial this in, write this down. Here it is. Are you looking at me? Never underestimate the power of simply living the Christian life. The church is always the brightest when the hour is the darkest. And in the dark times, it's not the times of blessing that the Christ follower shows up in a powerful way. It's the times of frustration. It's the times of discouragement. It's the time when genuine, simple faith comes to the top of somebody's life. Never underestimate the power of simply living the Christian life, of just showing up. The fruits of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That fruits of those Spirit right now in our life can be very difficult. It can be very difficult to be loving towards somebody that you really disagree with what they're doing right now. It, it can be extraordinarily difficult to be patient right now. When the kids are on their fourth hour of homeschooling, and you're trying to work, and your spouse is trying to work, and the kids are not cooperating, and you don't understand their assignment either, it can be extraordinarily difficult to be patient right now. Joy can be extraordinarily difficult right now because depression is ruling the day. Cynicism is ruling the day, right? Negativity is ruling the day. And this is joy, not just positive thinking, but a deep joy, a contentment joy, a joy that actually brings peace, patience, long-suffering. The longer this goes, the more faithful I will be in it. Never underestimate the power of simply living the Christian life. And what David did here was extraordinary in that he did nothing extraordinary. Fighting a giant was not on his to-do list. It was in God's plan. Five weeks ago, none of us were thinking about the things that we're thinking about right now. But God was. And God directed David's path. And God put him at this place where he could be faithful to him. And God decided that this was David's fight. And David showed up, and he showed up in a simple ordinary way, just like God may ask you and I to do. Now, when he got there and he heard all that was going on around him, 
his thinking kicked in. And so I put in my notes that David, as he showed up, he just showed up, but he showed up thinking like an overcomer. He wasn't thinking like somebody who would be defeated. He wasn't thinking about somebody like somebody who would be fearful. He was thinking like an overcomer. We talked about this passage last weekend on Easter weekend, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. The apostle Paul said this. He said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors uh, through him who loved us. And that's our identity. We, we show up and we, we show up as victors. We show up as conquerors. Our, our thinking is to be rooted in that way. Our perspective is to be rooted that way. And I said last weekend that this is not like a motivational saying. This is not just a good t-shirt or a good tattoo. That what Paul said there is not meant to be self-centered and it's not meant to be self-serving. It's a declaration of what it means to live in the power of the resurrection that Jesus displayed for us at Easter. It's not a rev you up, run through the wall statement. It's a ground you, settle you down, define the way you think statement. This is a fact about who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so when David shows up here at the battlefield, just bring a lunch, ordinary guy, when he shows up, he shows up thinking like this. And he hears Goliath mocking the armies of the living God. He hears Goliath making fun of the chosen people of God, Israel. And he, he looks at this and he basically says, why isn't anybody fighting this guy? Why, why are we cowering? Why are we hiding? Why are we tolerating this? Why, why, if we're the armies of the living God, if we're the chosen people of God, why, are, why aren't we out there doing something about the giant that is tormenting us right now? Verse 32, chapter 17, 1 Samuel, David said to Saul, Saul is the king, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. I'll, I'll go fight him. I'm more than a conqueror. I understand who I am as a child of God. I don't see the problem in this fight. When, when, you're, the, when you're the biggest dog around, all the things that are yipping around you don't bother you. I, I, I want you to see this picture. This is my dog, Chief. Chief, Chief's a boss, man, and I love this dog. And Chief is maybe the laziest creature that's ever existed in, in all of creation, but he's cute, and he's big, and he's big, and uh, he weighs about 200 pounds. He's just a big old English Mastiff beast. And it's funny, we'll take Chief on a walk, and uh, we'll go on a walk like around Hinkley Lake there. There's a, a nice path, we'll go on a walk, and everybody else got their dogs out, right? and we're walking chief, and it always makes me laugh. The littlest dog, the dog that is like, a, it's really a cat, but it barks. The, the dog that doubles as a guinea pig, like one of those little dogs, like a dog you would name like Carly or something like that, like one of these awful little dogs. They will always, when chief walks by, they will bark at him, and they will go nuts, and they will flip out at him whenever he walks by. This is what amazes me about Chief. 
When those other dogs are flipping out around him, he doesn't hardly even notice. He could care less. He doesn't give a rip at all that this other dog is barking at him. Why? Because he's the big dog in the fight. It's like he has like this instinctual self-confidence that he could devour that little yippy dog with one bite and have room for dessert, right? He's not the least bit intimidated because he kind of knows who he is. This is David's attitude. See, This is not about the little guy overcoming the big guy. This is about the little guy knowing that he serves a great God. And when David shows up, he looks at the people around him and he says, have we forgotten about our great God? What are we doing? Well, the giant, he's a, it's, there's God, he's nine feet tall. God created the heavens and the earth. What are we, why aren't we fighting him? Don't lose sleep over it. I'll do it. Because I know that I am rooted, I'm hooked into the great God. The great God who is the God of Israel. The great God who is the God of the army of Israel. And I will act in that identity. Not because I'm big bad David and I'm going to show you something. But actually because I know that my strength and my power and my hope is rooted in someone greater than me. David just shows up. God decided that was his fight. David didn't decide that was his fight. But David shows up as a follower of the one true God. I, I, I will act in the identity that God has given me. And then David does something fascinating. He draws courage from God's faithfulness. I want you to catch that. He draws courage from God's faithfulness. This story is not about the little guy fighting the big guy. This story is about the faithful guy and the faithful God. And David draws his courage not because he's nimble and quick and nobody's ever seen the slingshot move before. He draws his courage from the past faithfulness of the God that he serves. Look again at 1 Samuel 17, and we'll start with like mm, verse 32, right? Verse 32, let me read it to you. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Saul looks and says, David, you can't do this. You're just like a teenager, you can't do this. guy is like a Navy SEAL. There's no way that you can fight him. And listen to David's reply. His reply doesn't come from his humanity. His reply doesn't come from his own ego. It doesn't come from his ninja training. His reply comes from his identity as a follower of the one true God. But David said to Saul... Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Ready? Here it is. 
Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go out and the Lord be with you. David looks at King Saul. Saul says, you don't have any training. David says, well, there was this time a bear came and tried to get the family, the family security, the family income, the sheep, the flock. There's another time a bear tried to do that. Uh, a, a lion did, a bear did. I killed them both. And God was with me in that. God rescued me. I don't think that I'm awesome. I don't think that I can positively think my way out of things. I don't think that I'm more brilliant than everybody else. I don't think that I have superhuman, superhumanist powers. I just learned to trust God. And there's been other crises in my life. And when those crises showed up in my life, what I learned, I didn't learn lion killing techniques. I didn't learn bear slaying strategies. I learned that God is faithful and that his faithfulness will bring me through this. He will rescue me. David shows up because God decided that was his fight. And he shows up knowing who he is, see, knowing who he is. The government and his brothers were paralyzed by fear. But David was familiar with this. I've been in circumstances like this before. No win circumstances. How in the world do you get out of this circumstances? Went to work one day to have a normal day and a lion showed up circumstances. Got up in the morning, thought it was gonna be just another Tuesday and it was a bear of a Tuesday because the bear showed up. I've been in circumstances like this before where I didn't predict it, I didn't want it, I didn't expect it, but I found myself in it. And you know what I learned in those circumstances? That God is in those circumstances with me. And he is faithful to me. And he helps me. And he guides me. And I have learned to trust in those things. So David shows up. And he shows up as a follower of God. He shows up remembering the faithfulness of God. I don't know, King Saul. I mean, the lion attacked me. The bear attacked me. That's just another giant. They were both bigger than me. Let's fight this guy. And he moves from that position into this battle. And that's the next thing I notice about David's life. I noticed that he, when he looked at the faithfulness of God and he remembered it, he didn't think about survival. Maybe God will do some miracle trick and get us all out of this. He didn't think about hunkering down and getting through it. You know, maybe God will blind them for a while and, and they'll all just go home. When he thought about the faithfulness of God, he realized that God would go with him as he embraced this new battle. The battle of the lion, the battle of, of the bear, 
in the battle of the giant. And so David embraced the battle. He ran to it. 1 Samuel 17, 46. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He goes out, Goliath's mocking him, making fun of him. What are you doing out here, little squirt? David looks and says, I got news for you, bro. This day the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. He met him head on. He didn't run around him. They didn't have like a bunch of horsemen over another hill while he was distracting the giant. He went in the power of the Lord. He went in the faithfulness of the Lord. He trusted that. So when he saw his next giant, because giant number one was a lion, giant number two was a bear, and giant number three was named Goliath. When he saw his next giant, he moved into that battle because he was confident that the Lord would go with him and that the Lord would deliver him from the hands. And guys, when we talk about this idea, this is the idea of taking ground. David recognized a God-given opportunity when he saw one. And I'm telling you that right now in our culture, more than a crisis and more than a pandemic, what we have is a God-given opportunity. We have this amazing opportunity that God has allowed you and I to be a part of. And if we can look around and we show up and we remember who we are and we trust God's faithfulness, this is just another giant. You've had a ton. How many lions and bears have you had in your life? You know how to do this. You can trust. How many lion and bear attacks has God led you through in your life? This is just another one. And when you look around and see that this is an opportunity for you to be faithful and an opportunity to remember that God will be faithful, what God can do through these circumstances is absolutely amazing. Those opportunities are everywhere around you. What you say on social media, that the attitudes that you put out, the hopefulness that you put out, the joy that you put out, the peace that you show, the self-control that you show, the love and the joy that you show. It's this enormous opportunity to be different, to be the city on the hill, and it's all around us. Your joy, as you go through job losses or downturns or at home with the kids all day, which is maybe the hardest of all those things, even as some of you, as you battle illness, the joy the peace, the, the testimony of that, because you're in a trial, will be heard, and it will be heard loudly. There's an enormous opportunity to this. Your hope, your love for other people, your selflessness. God is faithful. And when you went through this the last time, the last time you fought a giant, and it wasn't COVID-19. It was the recession of 2008. It was 9-11. It was a marriage stressor. It was a sick kid. It was a business that failed. It was a cancer diagnosis. It was a difficult job situation. It was tension with a roommate. 
It was having a hard time academically in school. Remember the last giant you fought? Because there was the lion, there was the bear, and this one's just named Goliath. And God brought you through that. And if you counted that as joy, he matured you and completed you in the middle of it. And he gives you incredible opportunities to build the kingdom of God, to put your story and your testimony as you are faithful, your testimony to God's faithfulness in the moment. And God has brought you to this place. It's Christ who has you here. It's not an epidemic. It's not the government. It's not the malfunctioning of a governing organization somewhere else in the world. It's Christ who has you in the circumstances that you are in right now. And it's Christ who trained you to be here. He, tra he trained you when you were a shepherd in the fields. See? He trained you how to be faithful. He trained you to trust him. He trained you to believe that he is who he says he is. And it's Christ who is with you here. David didn't go out on that battlefield by himself just like he didn't go out into that shepherd's field by himself. He wasn't by himself when he fought that lion. He wasn't by himself when he fought that bear. He wasn't by himself when he fought Goliath. God had him there. God trained him to be spiritually victorious there, and God was with him. We would say now, after the cross, it's Christ that has us here. It's Christ that trained us to be here. It's Christ that is with us in the middle of this battle. And it's Christ's faithfulness that will cause us to go through all of it. Jesus empowered you as a follower of him. It's in his power that we go and fulfill the Great Commission. It's in his power that we have everything that we need for life and godliness. It's the power of the resurrection in us that allows us to be the people he's called us to be in these moments. And as I cover the ground between me and the giant, as I don't run from it, hide from it, duck from it, or try to survive it, as I cover the ground between me and the giant, I am able to do that in such a way that I am bringing fame to Jesus' name. I am bringing advantage and advancement to his cause I'm able to bring hope and truth and love to people who need it desperately. I'm able to be a different voice in a planet full of noise and a voice that is one of hope and joy and Christ. It's an enormous opportunity. And we see it and we understand it and we grab hold of it. David is not the hero of this story. In fact, I would, I would argue the story is not even really about David. God is the hero of this story. You are not going to be the hero of your story. That's a, that's a false teaching. Christ is going to be the hero of your story. But you get to be a part of what he's doing. You get to be a part of his story. You get, you get to be a conduit of his message. It's an incredible opportunity. So we embrace it and we run to it. We live as Christ has called us to live. We remember who we are. We remember who he is.
and we make our way across the ground to that giant. The last thing I want you to see is this. David and his victory was determined that God was the focal point of it. Today we would say Christ is the focal point of it. Look at what he says, verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 46. He says this to Goliath. He says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Not that David existed. Not that David overcame. Not that David had the strength to push through. The whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And all those who gather here will know, ready, that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saved, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He made a point in the middle of that battle to say, listen, Goliath, Philistines, as you're listening, Israel is your cowering. I want you to know something. At the end of this fight, the one who is going to be famous is God. Today we would say Christ. It's not that I have the five tips to overcome a difficult time and to better myself in the process. It's not that the power of the human spirit will unite together and make for a better world. The human spirit united together never makes for a better world. We usually mess things up. But the end result of my life and my battle and my fight is that Jesus Christ is lifted high, that his name, his fame, his power, his glory, his faithfulness is what's on display. And to the degree in which he chooses to involve me in it, that he chooses to send me out with lunch that day, that he chooses to guide my path so I show up at a great battle, that he chooses to train me for that great battle by having me fight the lion and the bear, that he chooses to remind me that I stand with him, not in my own power, but in his power. And the degree that which he chooses to do that, he then allows me to decide that I'm going to trust all that and take it to the giant. And the end result of that is not that I'm a hero, but that Christ is. That he is glorified and that he is lifted high. And the ground that we cover in that the way that advances the name of Jesus, the way that that helps people in their faith, the way that that grows and strengthens you, suddenly these circumstances are redeemed in ways and used in ways that are actually beyond what we could ever ask or we could ever imagine. Guys, listen, God is working He's working in our world, and he's working in your life. Let him do it. Let him do it. Be faithful. Be faithful. These times are times it's, it's tempting to be discouraged. It's tempting to lose hope. It's tempting to think that the government's doing something to you. It's tempting to think that you're your own provider. It, it, it's tempting to give in to temptation. Be faithful. Never underestimate the power of simply living the Christian life. Remember who you are and whose you are. You are bought at a price. You are not your own. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are filled with the spirit of the living, resurrected God.
see life from that perspective. Learn faithfulness. This isn't your first fight, and it isn't going to be your last. So the lion and the bear prepare us for Goliath. Remember that. And don't cower. Don't hold on. Don't try to outlast it. Cover ground. Go into it. Advance the cause in the kingdom. And in the result, be an agent of bringing praise and glory to Jesus Christ. Capture this moment. Capture it. This is what I I wrote down, kind of as maybe takeaways or handles that we could get our our head around a little bit. I, I said this, maybe this is the time to make some life changes. Right, the, for many of us, the rat race has been broken. And when the rat race is broken, sometimes we realize how much we hated it, how much we value our family, how much it's nice to be still once in a while, how much instead of being kind of trapped in a system, the ability to pull back a little bit and evaluate what brings me fulfillment and what brings me joy and what actually honors Christ in my life. Cover ground there. Maybe it's time to think about some changes. High school student, maybe that popularity ladder, any of those popular kids called you? Do you really miss the pressure of wondering whether you're going to get invited to that party or not? Do you care that much? Maybe none of that's worth it. Maybe you don't even like it. You're just stuck in it. But maybe there's an opportunity to make some changes because this is the field God's got you on. Maybe we can grab it. I said this is another one. Guys, I know this is an opportunity to share your faith. You've been praying for your three. Don't just pray for them. Call them, text them, Zoom them, connect but this is a great opportunity where people are asking different questions than they would normally ask because our normal has been broken. I really believe that there's an opportunity for a spiritual revival globally and that God orchestrates that. That's part of how he works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so be a part of that. Take the gospel, express the gospel, share it. Do the work of an evangelist, right? You don't have to be awesome at it. You just have to be loving to the people that you're sharing your hope with. But share the hope that is within you. And then finally, I would say to this, you know, what we've been talking about this weekend is from the perspective of a person who loves Christ and Christ has been faithful to. And you may be a person who would say, I'm not sure that I'm... I'm in position number one yet. Like, I like God. I care a little bit about God. I mean, I just sat and watched you talk, and so that's of interest to me. I wonder if God's not working in your life in a very special way right now. Maybe the fact that you sat and listened to this conversation is a new thing for you. Somebody shared this with you or thought it was important that you would hear it and, and you can tell it's not really a self-help talk or a pep talk. It's a God talk. But maybe God is leaning into you in a, in a different way. 
And he wants you to know that he loves you, that he wants to be faithful to you, but you need him. You need him. And you need to admit that and accept the help that he's trying to give you. And maybe that's the ground you need to cover right now through all of this. That your giant has been the giant of disbelief or the giant of spiritual independence. And surrendering to Christ and surrendering to his plan and asking for his salvation is the ground that you need to cover right now. And I would just encourage you to do that from your heart to God's heart. Don't worry about the right words. Doesn't matter. God knows what you mean. He doesn't care what you say. But ask him for the forgiveness of sin and ask him to be the, the one who defines and directs your life. And if you pray that prayer, I encourage you to fill out the, fill out the connection card on the app or maybe just text or, or message back the friend who shared this message with you, this conversation with you, and say, hey, you know, Jeff said to do this. I did this. What next? And get that conversation rolling, but take that ground right now. Okay? All right. This is a God story that we're living in. It's unfolding right in front of us. And he's allowing us to be a part uh, of, of it. He's writing with us, so to say. So let him do it. Take ground. And it'll be fun to see what God accomplishes through this fight. Would you pray with me? Jesus, love you so much. Help us with this, Lord. Lord, we're up and down. Me too. You know, just a couple days ago, I was super discouraged. And I feel great today. And you know you know our emotions, you know our human frailty, you know our needs. And Lord, we need you. We need your salvation. We need your joy. We need your strength. We need your provision. We need a new job. We need health. All these things, Lord, we're, we're frail in our humanity. But you're bigger than any giant in our life. And so God, help us. Help us to be faithful as you are faithful to us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Go before us in all things. In your name we pray. Amen.